Hey friend, we've got a huge announcement to share and we wanted you to be the first to know. Our vision in North Star has always been to create an impact uprising. It's this belief that philanthropy has the power to change the world, not just in our impact, but by unlocking generosity within each of us. So after more than 500 podcast conversations and gathering this diverse community of We Are For Good around the world, we're ready to unveil the next big unlock to achieving our impact uprising vision as we get activated together in community. Meet Impact Up, the gathering for social impact leaders ready to shift the sector for good. Our first Impact Up is happening July 11th, and we want you to join us as we convene virtually for a day around one singular topic. We're going to be blending different styles of content from brilliant minds across sectors while also gathering insights and ideas from you in the community, all of it leading to action. Then, through the power of the We Are For Good community, that same evening, Impact Up is gathering in local communities to continue the conversation started that day. From San Francisco to Baton Rouge and Denver to Tampa, community is gathering in person. We are moving from conversations to activation, and we're so excited. It's all about gathering, discussing, activating, and watching the shift happen. You can also count on that signature levity, inspiration, and joy you always get in our space because you know it's a vibe, y'all. Registration is live. Head on over to impactuprising.com. You can see all about the event and find a local meetup near you. We can't wait to see you there. That's impactuprising.com. Let's go. Hey, friends. This episode is brought to you by Jatasa. We love the meaning behind this brand because its name literally means the spirit of serving others, and that jives with the ethos of this community. Jatasa comes alongside missions to specialize in bookkeeping, accounting, and CFO services exclusively for nonprofits, with more than 1,500 organizations served since 2008. Jatasa is committed to helping nonprofits that are dedicated to making the world a better place because they truly understand the unique needs and challenges organizations like yours are facing. So if you're looking for a financial partner who truly understands your mission, check out Jatasa. Visit jatasa.com to learn more. That's J-I-T-A-S-A.com. Be sure to tell them We Are For Good sent you. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Hey, hey. Hello, everybody. (laughs) It's a good Friday around here. How are you? I'm good. Julie, how are you doing today? I'm great. We're talking mindsets. How are you? That's what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite topics. Yeah. Compassion. Empathy. Yep. We're talking empathy today. Yeah. So if you've been tracking with us the last few weeks, we've been diving into mindsets, which, you know, we're not just saying mindsets within your own head. We're saying mindsets that could be adopted as an organization that would lead to just really beautiful things happening in your organization, more collaboration, more innovation, more teamwork, more people leaning in. And so this is our kind of third stop along the way on this. We talk a lot about fundraising 
as a science. But today I feel like it's more of an exploration and fundraising as an art because you can be a professional who has taken all the classes, gotten all the accreditation. You know step-by-step the theory of how to raise a gift. But if you don't bring that emotional intelligence, that humanity, that empathy into what you're doing, you're really missing out on what we would call like a vibrant and whole organization where everyone is thriving because we enjoy coming to work. We are so rallied around the mission and we are just interconnected in a really cool way. So we kind of want to dive into that a little bit and I'm excited about it because there's something in here about books. So there's my (laughs) teaser and I'm really excited. If you don't know Becky, like (laughs) empathy would probably be one of the most top words about Becky. I mean, she just exudes that and everybody is her friend and everybody, she will fight for everybody that she knows. Come be my friend in social media circles. (laughs) I will accept your friendship. (laughs) I'm sure you're a lovely person. So I want to, you know, think back to early 2020 here, right? Whenever, let's say middle of March, things are starting to shut down. All of us are starting to look around at our nonprofit and saying, okay, what is next? I remember the chatter. I remember being on message boards and looking at blogs and people are looking for what do we do? Where is the playbook? How many of y'all? Seriously, can I get a show of hands? Okay, I see you. I see you. Yeah. I see you. <laughs> Virtually everywhere. But everyone's like, where's the playbook of what to do? And a couple of weeks later, you start seeing more and more articles about this and consultants are sharing their thoughts. And what is the number one thing it says to do? Check in with your people. Check on your people. Isn't it funny that we had to wait for counsel to tell us <laughs> to check on our people? It's like the most intuitive thing. There is a yeah. crisis. See how everybody's doing. And I mean, when we say check on your people, we don't just mean your top donors. We don't just mean your top volunteers. We mean all your people, people, internal, external donors at the highest level, donors at the lowest level. I mean, showing empathy is what mission-based organizations are all about. We are trying to move the hearts and minds of people so that we can move into a space of wholeness, fulfillment, and solving the world's problems. So we're going to s- kind of just squat <laughs> right yeah. there on loving people. And but I we remember did that love time. that that was the top of the list mm-hmm. because I think it's just a call to say, why isn't that always what we're doing all the time? Yeah. You know, I think it is for most of us. I don't think that we're just like calling everybody out on that. But um, today we want to like really unpack just some ways that you can infuse this into your culture if it's not there and just really be intentional. If it's not your personality <laughs> to want to walk down the hall and check on people, there's some strategies that you can employ mm-hmm. that just make you a better human, a better boss, a better communicator, all those things. There's a ton of books out there on leadership. And yeah. I'm, I'm the one I'm thinking of the most is like leading by walking around, you know, and just popping your head in and checking on the pulse of people. And COVID has literally eliminated the ability to walk around for so many of us. (laughs) But I think that that makes it so much more of an imperative that we've got to be checking in. And we can't just do that on a group Zoom when everybody's coming in to staff meeting and saying, how's everybody doing? We've got to be really intentional about how we reach out and the way that we reach out with compassion and grace and knowing that this is probably a time that mental health will never be as high in the needs of taking care of yourself, anxiety, depression, um, fear of the unknown. I mean, we're seeing that at staggering levels. And so that applies to everybody across the board. So I would think if you're a leader in this space, 
checking on your team. We're going to talk about that just a little bit more. And that is grounded in empathy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, let's define it. I mean, to just put it out there, it's really this experience of understanding another person's thoughts, feelings, their point of view, their experiences that are different than yourself. So it really backs up everything that we've been talking about, you know, over the last few weeks, but it's stepping outside of yourself. The world is bigger than you in your own perspective and literally trying to get in the shoes of someone else. And isn't that what we're trained to do as development people? You know, we want to try to get into the heads and understand the values and what motivates and drives our donors. So that should be part of the fabric of what we do. We're just saying don't be so mechanical about it that you just do it as a strategy. You should do it with your teams and do it with the people in your life. I'm reminded of my daughter who's in first grade who like <laughs> came home from like her second day of kindergarten as you know just t- teaching me about the golden rule. Yeah. And that was rule number 1 in the kindergarten classroom. So we're saying what was true in kindergarten still applies we even need to kind today. Of put that into law or something, you know. <laughs> Okay, I'll write some kind of a motion or Let's something. Do <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I would love a lot for everybody to be kind. That'd be fantastic. You know, I saw a study just a couple of weeks ago of that 90% of employees say regardless of age, they think that empathy is the most important workplace value. Dude. Isn't that fascinating? 90%? Yeah. That's Where can you get 90% of employees of to agree on anything? <laughs> right. So I think there's something to this, you know, so... Um, what are some ways, you know, that we can look in, into ourselves, or maybe into the way that we're thinking through things and try to identify ways we could be more empathetic? Yeah, I think the first step is probably recognizing your thoughts. And if you are somebody, um, that's kind of hardwired to say certain phrases like this, <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple, um, then maybe it's time for you to maybe double click a little bit on how to grow your EQ and maybe um, start exploring how to have an empathy-based mindset in the office. So here's a couple of examples. If you're saying things like in your head, this is internal conversation, I need to get out of this conversation as quickly as possible. <laughs> you can actually see that if you look into people's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Granted, that could be my husband because I, I, am, a, I am a person of stories verbose. and details. I am very verbose. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I do think that that would be one. Um, how about um, this person would probably just rather be left alone. That, yeah. That's a deflection. Yeah. It's not my job to coddle people, especially at work. Somewhat true. Yes, it is not our job to babysit people, but it is our job to make sure that people have not only the tools that they need, but I don't know how to call it, but the moral fortitude, yeah, Yeah. to be able to keep soldiering through, particularly um, at this time, um, I have more important things going on. How hard is it to get this right? I think that is just a morale killer that they have more important things going on, especially as you move up in leadership, you always have a ton of things on your plate and it's never going to probably make sense time-wise to sit down, but that's why you have to acknowledge that and actually do it. It's such a solid point. And, and I, and I think this last one is something that, that I have struggled with personally. If I don't say the right thing, I might make this worse. And it actually triggered me to think of, of a story in my career where that was kind of stymieing me a little bit. And I had had a uh, donor family and I, and I just loved them so much. And they had 
in my opinion, one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. And mm-hmm. they lost their child um, in the NICU. Uh, it was a it was a very premature birth, um, and and their daughter struggled. And after about two and a half weeks, she passed away. And so they came back um, a couple of months later and wanted to make a gift to the organization in her honor. And we had a lot of conversations about what that would look like. And I was so trepidatious about going into that space because I could not imagine their pain. I had my own daughter at the time. And um, I was worried about if I bring her up, is that is that going to be painful for them? Should I not mention her name? And But it's the elephant in the room. You do have to address these things. And that's what I think is sort of the crux of empathy. If you're not addressing these things, you're really just dancing around the problem. And that problem will never go away. And so, you know, as we kept talking, I really just tried to listen and ask questions. And I found out that they love having reasons to bring her up, to celebrate her. And it sort of morphed into this thing where every time they would come in every year to make this annual gift in honor of their daughter, they would be more jubilant. And then when they would we would talk about the expanse of what their gifts had done over time and the compounding effect of that reach. I remember the day that the mother looked at me and said, you know, she keeps living because you all keep finding ways to shine her light in other spaces of this organization. And I thought, Oh my my gosh. gosh, we've got to put her name on everything. And we did when we put beads throughout the pediatric area for beads of courage every bag told her story you know when we did bereavement counseling training with nurses and with um pastors and clergy we shared her story and yes it's a painful part but they were so overjoyed at the hope that it kept providing for more and more people and so that was just one example i could think of where Dancing around it was not the right idea, but kind of heading straight into it in a way that was gentle, in a way that was caring. You can apply that, I think, across the board in just any situation that you're dealing with within your organization as you're dealing with people. What a beautiful example. And I mean, just even asking is going to open up the conversation. If they didn't feel comfortable, that would give them a chance to Solid tell you point. that, yes, right? Yes, yes. Um, but I think if you haven't listened to Keaton's Kindness Club, oh. I mean, when you're sharing that story, I can just picture Holly, his mom's face, as she was being interviewed um, a few weeks ago, carrying on the legacy. Like, how beautiful is that when we step into these vulnerable places and conversations that we can celebrate legacies? So absolutely, that's, that's what makes philanthropy so magical. So if you, if you kind of have heard a couple of those things and your negative self-talk in your head, I mean, our recommendation would be to just kind of set some goals for yourself. Regularly check in with people. See if they need help. Um, find a way to just start feeling a little more comfortable with talking with someone who is upset or emotional. Um, think about different ways that you could offer support. You know, if you can't do it in person, we virtually can do that. I mean, how many times have you gotten a text from someone that just says, hey, you're on my heart today. I don't know what's going on, but I just want you to know I'm checking in, I'm thinking about you, and I really think you're doing a great job. Let me know if you need anything. That would take you probably 45 seconds, maybe less if you're John and you use the microphone function for all of your text messaging. (laughs) Siri, we can say it, right? Yeah, we can. Siri, will you sponsor us? So they're just simple little tips that if it's not innate to you, there are ways that you can plant these seeds to help them grow um, in the future. 
I love those tips um, and love the goals of incorporating that in. So, so you want to talk about our tips. Yeah, so let's we, dive we, into we do some have tips. some tips about what you can do moving forward. And this, I think, applies to everybody. Totally. And we've got five plus a bonus. So it's kind of like a game show. Mm-hmm. So door number one <laughs> is ask questions. I mean, you've heard us talk about this because even this platform of a podcast, it's impossible not to have empathy when you just sit down and talk to somebody and be present and ask questions. And so I think that that's the easiest thing you can do is just sit there and be vulnerable and listen and truly listen. And actually, you know, I was a junior interviewer coming into this seat. Becky's like a pro. That's not true. But what's wonderful is that's the best advice that I've ever gotten too, is just to truly like try to block out everything else that's happening and just like zone in. And that'll help you in every aspect of life where it's helped me. I love that one. So number two is... Really seek to understand and look for context. If, if you are someone who does not wear your heart on your sleeve, like Becky Endicott, <laughs> who <laughs> shares whatever is going on in my head and in my heart with anyone who's willing to listen. Um, sorry, mom and my <laughs> husband, this is probably exhausting for you. Um, then we really need to look for those contextual clues. You know, are people, are, are they quiet? Are they, is there a distance there? Are they having trouble meeting deadlines? Like, I just think that there's a lot of ways that if you're not so busy in your own head, you can kind of look around, um, that can easily kind of bring up red flags. Totally. And three, Becky's mentioned this already, but check in with your team regularly. So if you're leading a flock of folks, then figure out that, you know, way to do that. Right now it may be over Zoom, which is great. Maybe it's sending a text, but figuring out a way to do that regularly. Yes, because millions of people are practicing social distancing. Billions of people, perhaps. (laughs) And those feelings of isolation, depression, anxiety, and stress, they're starting to emerge as like these major aftershocks um, of the pandemic. And they're just impacting people's daily lives, not only just in their work. And so I really think that that one is really important. The fourth one is communicate, like using all of your senses, you know, looking for things that are nonverbal cues, you know, it, it can't just be, you know, via text, it can't just be on zoom, we have to really be mindful about, I guess you can't touch, not that, not that sense, <laughs> not right now, <laughs> at least six feet apart. You can apart. only see like a portion of people's faces No kidding, too, so, so get mask. good at reading <laughs> eyes, or as John calls the smize, the smizing, <laughs> um, and really just find a way to communicate with someone, if that's writing them a letter, if that's sending them a card, if it's some flowers, I mean, I don't know what it is, I know there's, not everyone has empty pocketbooks, but there are very free, free and affordable things that you can do to make somebody know that you care about them. hundred percent. And then I think this goes with every, every piece of advice, but keep on adapting your approach to different types of people and situations, right? We don't all have the same love languages. We don't all have the same Enneagrams. And so I don't always like everybody being all up in my business and, but maybe Becky really does love that. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a little bit of both, right? Yeah, I mean, I just think about anybody who's done personality analysis. I mean, Myers-Briggs was so big when I was first coming into the workplace, and I realized that my husband and I were almost polar opposite on everything, where I was a high feeler, he was a really high thinker. And so I really think if you know someone's personality type, whether that's Enneagram, whether that's Myers-Briggs, it could be DISC, it could be True Colors, like tap into that and understand how to connect with that individual. 
Okay, ready for the bonus? Yeah, you need to I say feel it like because I need some, you like, added it. <laughs> no, this is for Becky. This is totally Becky. What's your bonus tip to be more empathetic? Read books. Especially fiction. I can't I believe know. I'm saying it, but truly, I mean, what's better than putting yourself in the shoes of somebody that, a life that you'd never get to live? One of my favorite quotes from one of our guests was our elementary school librarian, Kirby McKenzie, out of Gaining Ground Literacy. And her talking about how opening a book, a piece of fiction for a child, and letting them get lost in going to different places, understanding different worldviews, understanding different cultures, coming to learn empathy, again, through story and through how you can emotionally connect with somebody I thought was such a smart tip. And I do feel that. And I think it'll help with your storytelling ability as well. So that's kind of a double bonus. So there you go. Thread them all together. Be more empathetic. Make the world a better place while you do it. You know you can do it because you're here. And by virtue of being here and listening in to these episodes and connecting with us on our social media platforms, we have watched you all lift each other up give tips, give insights. And that is so, such a boost to us because it, it is a community of kindness. And we think that you can, can be an even better and even more successful professional if you can employ an empathy mindset. How are you going to show up? Kindly, compassionately. We know you will. We believe in you. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed John and Becky's tips to move more towards an empathy mindset. If you're new here, did you know every week we share our best roundup of content, freebies, and notes heard on each episode? Head over to weareforgood.com slash hello to join our mailing list, and you'll hear from us weekly with resources and tips to help you do more for your mission. If you loved what you heard today, would you take a moment and leave us a podcast rating or review? It really does help more people find us and join our growing community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer. Our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Thanks for being here, everyone. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.